always troubling you, Sugar. You know, Lula, I never told you what all I was doing before I met you. Well, I just figured you was out being Mr. Cool. Not exactly, Sugar. One reason we're in all the trouble we're in right now is because of what I was doing. I tried to tell you this before. You're scaring me, baby. Well, there's a good side as well as a bad side to it. And the good side is I knew your daddy, and I thought Clyde was a good old guy. You knew my daddy? Yes, I did. I sure did. The bad side of it is I did some driving for a man named Marcelo Santos. I quit working for him, but just before I did, I ended up one night at a house. I didn't know it then, but it was your house. I don't know what it is they all think I saw that night, but I was just sitting out in the car until the whole place went up in flames. Oh, God, Sailor. That's the night my sweet daddy died. I know, sure. God, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? Do you think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 102, Wild at Heart. Yep, the show keeps on rolling, revisiting uh, one of our favorites, David Lynch. Yeah, this was one that you wanted us to get onto for a while now, and we finally got to it. I had only seen this movie once before, and it was like four or five years ago. And I remember thinking, like, man, this is a fucking crazy movie. I think I wanted us to do it mostly because I wanted to watch it again. (laughs) But upon second viewing, it's like, holy shit, this is a crazy movie. Yeah, I mean, would you expect anything less? No. (laughs) I remembered it kind of being, like, this road movie, and Laura Dern is, like, this uh, just vixen. (laughs) And, like, uh, Nicolas Cage is crazy as always, wearing, like, this snakeskin jacket. And there's hitmen, and... Lordern's mom is like a psychopath. You almost forget all the little plot twists in it too. There's a lot of twists and turns along the way. Yeah, it's it's a crazy movie. William Defoe just like insane teeth. Willem. Oh, sorry, Willem. Yeah, the, his teeth in the movie are particularly horrifying, frightening. Right. I think the reason why we it took us so long to get to it since the show came back last August was that I felt. Well, we, we were going to hit those three movies that we did. One of them was True Romance. I thought this movie thematically feels similar. Right. But I think upon... Ratchet re- it up a little bit. I think rewatching it, it's 
it's kind of a it, the story is kind of similar, but the actual movie itself is a lot different. Well, I'll say this: <laughs> it feels I mean, a lot different. That's holy for sure. Shit. When I was watching this, my memory of it was I, I remember like Laura Dern had like nudity in it, and it was like pretty <laughs> sexual. But holy shit, some of the sexual stuff that's going on in it is like whoa, you know. <laughs> There's some raw fucking. You're like, holy shit. There's just people just grabbing things. I mean. Before we jump in, let's remind our listeners to follow the show on Twitter at oh, Greatest right. Pod. Yes, please. And to subscribe to our show on iTunes and continue to spread the gospel of the greatest moments to all your friends and family. I will say. Uh, Recommend us to a friend that loves films. <laughs> slowly but surely, the average download per episode continues to grow. Does it? Yeah. Alright. Anyway, the man himself, David Lynch, said of Wild at Heart, it's a love story that barrels along down a strange highway through the twisted modern world. And I kind of look at this movie as Lynch's statement kind of on how he perceived romance in Americana in the dying days of the 1980s. He blended the well-known iconography of Elvis Presley and Marilyn Monroe and utilized imagery, texture, and character <laughs> archetypes from one of his favorite films, The Wizard of Oz, and mm-hmm, shot yeah. it all up with highly Not, stylized violence. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty in-your-face, The Wizard of Oz kind of illusions. Yeah, and I, he usually references that as one of his you know top ten favorite films. And I don't know. I, I know that Lynch dabbles in violence from time to time, but honestly, this kind of feels like his most outwardly aggressive movie. Oh, I would agree, yeah. It's it, very like it in your face, right. the it's, violence. It feels a little bit like Natural Born Killers or something. Yes, that's probably a more closer cousin to this than even True Romance. Right. This is probably Lynch's most Tarantino-feeling movie. Yeah, I would say. But it's still kind of done in a very Lynch way. There's a lot of David Lynch regulars and a lot of his you know, usual... Well, it's certainly fun being that it came out in 1990. I mean, uh, for us, it's, it's fun because there's just so many of the little Twin Peaks actors popping up throughout it. Yeah, and some not that little. True, yeah. <laughs> Even the normal-sized people. Peanut, I'm thinking of breaking parole and taking you out to Santa California. Sailor! You look for that? I'd go the far end of the world for you, baby. You know I would. Rocking good news. (laughs) Those thumbnails about dry yet, sweetheart? We got some dancing to do. Barry Gifford wrote the novel, and Lynch was originally only going to produce it until he actually read the book and then decided he needed to direct it. So he kind of just took the project over from, I forget who was going to direct it, but they were just like, they had asked him to produce it. And then he read it, and he was like, oh, I think I'm going to direct it. (laughs) The film starts with the uh, title card, Cape Fear, somewhere near the border between North and South Carolina. Uh, my timeline might be a little off. Is this somewhere around the Cape Fear remake that Scorsese did? It seems like it would be around that time. I thought Scorsese's Cape Fear would be a little bit later than this. But I, don't, I don't know. I feel like Cape Fear looks newer than this movie does, but this movie kind of looks so weird that it's hard to tell. 
Well, honestly, you could tell me that Wild at Heart was made in 2015 or 1975. Yeah, it's, you're right. <laughs> I don't know. It exists in its own little world. Yeah, true. Cape Fear, I guess, lends itself to being kind of a cinematic sounding place. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I, I don't really it know. It has a great name, too. What, yeah, that's what I mean. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> that's it just has a cool name. Yeah. I don't know what it's actually like, but well, true. <laughs> it kind of fits Lynch's whole thing with, you know, like the good and the bad, the light and the dark. It just kind of has that cape. You kind of think of like the beach, but then it's like fear. <laughs> you know? You can you follow? Cape. You think of Superman's cape. <laughs> right. <laughs> so the opening sequence, honestly, we mentioned Tarantino already. Is it's one of Reservoir Dogs like violence. It is True. a bizarre yeah. set of circumstances that we obviously, the first time you watch this, you don't even really get the full picture until later in the movie as more and more is flashed back to and kind of yeah, filled in. Yeah, you're like, in. holy shit, this is kind of over the top here. Yeah, I forget the phrase that refers to how this storytelling technique, but it's like starting in the middle kind of. Right. You feel like yeah. you're starting in the middle of something because you're just... You're at the end of some event, and these are characters that obviously have some sort of connection to each other, but we don't know what, ex- you know, we're all of a sudden something's happening, and you're just like, ah, okay. We meet Sailor, great name. True. Played by the legendary Nicolas Cage, and his lady friend Lula, played by Laura Dern. Another great name. And there's a would-be assassin named Bob Ray Lemon, hired by Lula's mother, Marietta, played by Laura Dern's real-life mother, Diane Ladd. Just a wild performance in this movie. Yeah. So this Bob Ray Lemon is going to try to kill Not a very uh, subtle assassin. Yeah, what does he pull out, like a switchblade? Yeah, I don't know. He's making a whole... It's like a whole production in this fucking theater. Yeah, because he even has that passing comment to Lula. His whole plan is to do this in front of like a whole bunch of people. Yeah, it's very theatrical. Yeah. <laughs> it <just laughs> it's not like very bad, practical, right. though. <laughs> this uh, attempted assassination fails miserably, and Sailor ends up... Because uh, Sailor's just like a badass. Yeah, he kills Mr. Lemon. It's extra bloody. Yeah. Lula shrieking. Really kind of going to town on... The would-be assassin. <laughs> He's just, like, slamming his head over and over again well, into the know, ground. I don't know if you have this in your notes, if you recall. From, I mean, how long does he go to jail for after this? 22 months and 18 days. Well, I remember it kind of reminds... Or at least that's when it cuts to. It's kind of like time. the same idea as, like, American History X, when those guys break into his house, but then he goes to jail because he curb stomps the dude. Yeah, you take it a little far, you right, get that. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw American History X, you know, I was a little bit younger. I mean, early teens or whatever. And it, it was like, well, why is he going to jail? That guy broke into his house. And someone who was explaining it to me was like, well, it's basically like the unnecessary roughness of the law. <laughs> I think your right to kill to defend your property kind of ends at your actual property Right, once line. you drag someone across the street. I guess it would be hard to mount a self-defense case whenever... You have a lot of witnesses that were like, yeah, he kept slamming his head into the right. ground 90 yeah. million times and then throws him into a wall. But yeah, I mean, he gets only a couple years, really. And based off of this opening sequence and, and what happens when Sailor calls the house, we kind of figure out now that one of the main issues here is that Lula's mother, Marietta, is really clashing with Lula over her seeing Sailor. Yeah, kind of. That's what the whole 
idea is. It seems like she's taking it a bit far, her dislike of Sailor. Right, and we kind of get an explanation as the film goes along as to what might be at the heart of this, but it never really adds up. It, it really seems more of a well, some almost sort of a mental illness psychosis, situation. Psychosis, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so Lula goes and picks up Sailor from prison and brings him his snakeskin jacket, which you know I guess is a big thing with Sailor. It was something that Nicolas Cage brought to the character and oh wanted boy. to have. Yeah. And so He's David Lynch known like, wrote for, it in. Yeah, doing these like crazy things and just <laughs> acting insane. There's a lot of great Nicolas Cage roles, and there's a lot of bad ones. Right. But yeah. for some reason, this kind of Elvis character that he's doing in Wild at Heart, is, it kind of comes off as this copy of a copy of a copy yeah. you know it's like a faded remnants he never kind of has this not that he's trying to be elvis but it's kind of got this weird kind of imitation of of swagger going on in this movie where you're never really sure if sailor is actually like a cool guy or if he's a goof i feel like that whole idea is like part of the story and the background of the character <laughs> i mean i love the part later in the movie where uh he says to lula like what do you think i was doing before i met you and she's like i don't know being a cool guy or whatever <laughs> like and he's like no not quite so their reunion is a lot of sex and speed metal they get this motel room and fuck pretty ferociously matt alluded to early that's right kind of a sex bomb laura dern and yeah a lot of youthful nudity from laura dern here uh, <laughs> is that how they describe it? That's how I would describe right. it. I'm okay. describing yeah. it like that. But we get Lula's story about her, I guess... <laughs> oh, boy. I guess she's was raped and lost her virginity to this guy, this Uncle Pooch, who's not actually like her real uncle, but right. just a guy. This story is so weird to There's me. There's so many things. She There's says, I guess my mother never knew about me and Uncle Pooch, Cuts to a flashback of her mother walking in and finding out about it. So yeah, what I mean, is she I think, saying? Well, I think there's a lot of she's blocking out slash maybe she doesn't want to fully reveal this here. But she's revealing to Sailor that this happened. But she, the only thing she's not revealing is that her mom found out about it. I don't know. The relationship is very weird, her and her mother. But then she's like, the next thing I know, uh, Uncle Pooch drove his car off a cliff in Myrtle Beach, and then they show a car going off of a cliff that would not exist in Myrtle Beach. It's <laughs> obviously in California. Right. But I don't know. This guy took advantage of her when she was, how old? Like 13 or something? Yeah. They have Laura certainly. Dern like actually yeah. playing herself as 13. Oh, yeah. It's kind of disturbing. Well, yeah, they have a couple like flashbacks to her before she was this crazy speed metal like punk badass <laughs> chick. And she's like normal, and then like, you know, there's some, some shit goes down. Let's just say her father was in the picture and then no longer in the picture. And that certainly seems like it has an influence on where her life goes. So this is kind of the first indication that there's a lot of darkness oh, yeah. in Lula's past, which, you know, throughout the film, we kind of get a little bit more of as it goes. So now Lula and Sailor are together and Sailor's out of prison from this manslaughter stint. So Marietta enlists on again, off again, boyfriend and private detective Johnny Farragut played by the late, great Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah, absolutely. To track down Lula and Sailor and bring them back. Kind of a fun performance here with him. Just uh, <laughs> A weird performance, right? really. A yeah. weird character. Yeah. Marietta's living room, by the way, looks a lot like Sarah Palmer's from Twin Peaks. I should point that out. That's it's true. odd Yeah. how almost one-to-one -one you can kind of like envision, especially 
the camera angle may be more so used in Twin Peaks The Return in season three. But that yeah. one angle of it, it's the same layout. Like the furniture is not exactly the same styles, but right. everything we, looks kind of the same. We might need to save this type of talk for like a give us a second. <laughs> <laughs> Am I going too deep right, right. now? <laughs> People are shutting this yeah. off in droves. Riding like, the volume. Oh, you know what? Enough of this. <laughs> we, we get it. <laughs> so, like, talk about Laura Dern's boobs, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marietta, though, this is kind of just a crazy character. It's just an unbelievably weird performance from Diane Ladd. Yeah, it's so she's, crazy. It's almost like she's teasing. Harry Dean Stanton with kind of this sexual oh, stuff. Oh, she's all over the place. She's threatening to involve this gangster named Marcelo Santos. Who she seemingly has like this long... There's a history. <laughs> yeah, backstory with. And Johnny is kind of just this naive guy, and he's dropping truth bombs regarding Sailor. He's basically like, you should be thanking this dude. That Bob Ray Lemon guy had a knife. He was going to hurt Lula. Like, he's oblivious to what was going on. He just thinks that some guy was attacking with a knife and that Sailor killed him and maybe went a little too far. This is that whole, I mean, it's the lesson in basically like every, like, don't let yourself be manipulated by a woman because it's just (laughs) going down a bad road. I mean, he's just kind of an unassuming private detective. He's blinded by love. Right. You don't get to pick the one that you love. Sometimes the one you love is a little crazy. Yeah, throwing up all over herself. <laughs> How so, gross is that part? You know what I'm talking about? Like after she sends, right, friend, and it's just, she throws up, and it's like she turns back to the camera, and it's kind of like all over and like chunks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So through flashbacks to the opening scene, we're showing a little bit more of the issue between Marietta and Sailor. She follows him into a bathroom that night and basically comes on to him and is like, do you want to fuck Lula's mom or something? Talking about herself. Yeah. It gets real fucking weird. Have you ever had a girlfriend's mom that you would want to fuck? I had. No. (laughs) Not that that I can remember. That was actually the funniest. uh, um, uh, uh, No. I was trying to think. I was like, man, man. No. Do you ever feel like it was a possibility that if you would have wanted to? Not. No. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. This seems like this is the story at first. In a weird way, they're kind of presenting it like she made a pass at Sailor that he rejected. And so everything kind of blew up then and there. And Lula's obviously. She's like, I need to hire like multiple people to try and kill you. Lula's too naive for the truth and blah, blah, blah. A woman's scorn. But really, it's an allusion to a fire here. That's all we get is just a, a quick little throwaway line. And that's the real story. And that'll kind of be explained as we go. So we cut back to Lula and Sailor. They go to a uh, a speed metal show, some band called Power Mad. Oh, yeah. They're, they're into Power Man. <laughs> I think it's Power Mad. Or, oh, Power Mad. That's right. Yeah, that is right. Yeah, that is Power Man 5000. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's all, it seems like it's of that vein. It's in, well, it's more like uh, early Metallica, Megadeth. Yeah, maybe like Anthrax. Not as talented. No, no, no. It's more. It's way more speed. But yeah, yeah. It's really dumb. Right. I do like that Lula's pants that she wears to that concert. It's like those see-through pants with like a red thong. I know Lula has like a great sense of fashion. I think. Yeah, Sailor gets into a fight at the show, and it's for me. It seems rare that he's not getting in yeah, a fight. Yeah, I kind of my I just wrote parentheses. Ugh, 
yeah, here we go. Like here, yeah. It's at what point is this just like get? Uh, we all know people that are like this, and well, it's obviously just, uh, always this movie a is thing. Like, ridiculous, but it's like he is supposed to be like on parole right now. He's just like getting in fights. Yeah, basically, it's a one punch kind of fight, and then he makes this guy apologize to Lula. Only for two hits. Something. Sailor hitting him and him hitting the floor, and then in kind of a surreal moment, which kind of tells you everything you need if you couldn't have figured it out from the first fucking 20 minutes of this movie this scene tells you everything you need to know where he kind of just talks to the band from the crowd and they're on stage and then basically there's some cue and they throw him a microphone and he sings love me by elvis with the band as his backing band and it's a crazy moment where you're just like oh okay this is there is no yeah reality here right. this is some weird thing well it kind of almost feels like that part in blue velvet where uh, that fucking that suave yeah, motherfucker yeah, yeah. ben i don't know if he's, he's supposed he, to like, be singing no roy he just lip syncs the roy yeah, orbison it kind of feels like that yeah and the whole thing is i mean later lula kind of makes the comment of her wanting him to sing love me tender not just love me different song and the idea there is oh, that yeah. sailor's only going to sing that to his wife that's right comes back into play so we get some flashbacks to this fire, but again, we still don't know exactly what it is. The couple fucking again after the show. A lot of fucking in motels. True, yeah. I will say this, and you know, obviously right now we're still kind of along the East Coast. We're going to be heading down to Louisiana and eventually to Texas. This movie just feels like a no air conditioning. Yeah, it has a very sweaty feeling to it. <laughs> Just even like watching five seconds of this movie and it's like my balls are just right. stuck to the inside. <laughs> it's just a lot of sweat. And then when they get to Texas, it's a lot of like dirt blowing in the right. air. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing comfortable about this movie. Certainly not. <laughs> they decide to head to California. Like He's decided, I'm breaking parole. I'm, yeah, we're well, going I on think, the lamb. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that was probably always the plan, especially with Lulu's mom in the mix. Lula picks a weird time to tell Sailor that he reminds her of her dead dad. <laughs> where they're like laying in bed with Something their legs like locked together. Something you don't want to hear very often. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you're starting to put the pieces together here. Yeah, it's like, Lula ooh. was once going to be like a normal girl who wasn't going to date the likes of a sailor. Then Uncle Pooch came That's along. That's right. <laughs> we find out the story that Marietta has been telling Lulu about what happened to her father, which was <laughs> that he came home one night and lit himself on fire. <laughs> it's like Lulu just believes this. It's like, who is he, you? <laughs> He's like that guy from Halloween 3 who was a robot. <laughs> just yeah. sitting in the car in the driveway <laughs> dumping <laughs> gasoline on himself. <laughs> He's like, I can't take it. <laughs> yeah, because the truth was Uncle Pooch was really her dad. That's right. <laughs> I mean, if you were trying to deal with fucking Diane Ladd in this movie, I, I mean, wouldn't you be letting yourself on fire? She seemed like a handful. Yeah, it would definitely be a, a candidate for a murder-suicide yeah. situation. <laughs> the truth of what actually happened that night definitely seems to be hanging over our two young lovers here, our, our heroes of the film. Well, we don't know it yet. One more so point. than the other, I would say. Certainly. Yeah. So as you mentioned, Sailor's going to break parole, and now this officially kind of becomes a road movie. A lot of uh, Chris Isaac, Wicked Games in the mix Yeah, for these driving scenes. Yeah, definitely Chris Isaac, some speed metal, Elvis, just a lot of different things going on here. 
Marietta eventually does hire Marcelo Santos to just kill Sailor. This whole now, thing is, is so bizarre. Now, what is... She's that fucking motivated by this that she needs to hire multiple... Well, not hire, but enlist multiple people to track them down? Dude, I don't and, know. And what... I mean, is Santos just like... Does he have, like, a thing for her that he just can't break or whatever? I mean, why? I mean, I guess he has a different motivation here, too, but I don't know. It's hard to figure out what the connection between the two of them. I guess she's just Between Marcelo Santos and Marietta? Or between Marietta and Sailor? Marietta and Santos. Obviously, it's been going on for... There's a secret romantic relationship there as well. Yeah, but has it been ongoing this whole time? I guess. Yeah. I don't know. As part of the deal, Marcella wants to kill Johnny Farragut, too. Marietta objects. I mean, Marietta is a wild woman. Yes. Okay. Marcello kind of agrees to not kill Johnny, but, you know, doesn't really. <laughs> yeah. So he calls this guy named Mr. Reindeer, who should be, it should be noted, is a complete legend. He's like, when he answers the phone, he's basically taking a shit with a topless woman in the room. Just kind of standing there <laughs> while he's like sitting on the toilet talking on the phone. It's right. like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Every time Mr. Reindeer's on screen, it's a wild, topless <laughs> scenario. I don't know yeah. what's. Is he a pimp? I don't really know what. I think he's just kind of like what people refer to as like a cool dude. <laughs> Certainly. Yeah. Kind of in a convoluted, but purely just for fun kind of way, Mr. Reindeer uses this whole system with silver dollars to communicate to his people that murders are needed. <laughs> like, that's his way of... He's got, like, a whole little, like, crew. Right. So he uses two silver dollars. One goes to... I don't know who this is, but I know, obviously, the actress is uh, Grace Zabriskie, who you may know as... Laura Palmer's S- mom? Laura Palmer's mom and Susan's mom from Seinfeld. Oh, true, yeah. <laughs> And she's got a gang of misfits down in Louisiana. It's a wild scene with these people. I don't know what is going on with this little crew of people. (laughs) Lynch really loves to delve into this underworld that you're not fully convinced it could possibly exist, yet at the same time you can't rule out. You're like, maybe there are people like this. It's kind of (laughs) like the underworld from like Batman Returns. Like Except carnies. Yeah, but way more explicit. Right. It's yeah. violence and sex and a little bit more disturbing. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like it doesn't feel human or real. <laughs> and then the other goes to a person or persons unknown, at least at this point. We just kind of see an exterior shot of where this phone call goes to involving this second silver dollar. True. Yeah. So we're kind of left in the dark as to what all of that means. The next part of the film is kind of a New Orleans detour with Sailor and Lula stopping in New Orleans, though it's not really clear why. Other than they, they kind of briefly... They're trying to make the best of this trip. It's briefly mentioned that Lula always wanted to go there. This is one of those coincidences that happens in this movie, though, and there's another big one later, where unbeknownst to anybody, including Marcelo Santos and Mr. Reindeer... It just so happens that one of Mr. Ranger's top assassins is in Lu- in New Orleans, and this is where the first place that they're gonna go is yeah, also where the uh, assassin is. Web of assassins. It's very a lot of networking going on in the assassin community. 
I just think it's weird that out of anywhere on the planet that Sailor and Lula could go, it just happens to be the place where Mr. Reindeer contacted one of the assassins. Well, it certainly fits the movie. (laughs) It is weird. Johnny Farragut and Santos's goons are also in the area lurking around. We get some Johnny Farragut is definitely like he because he keeps checking back in with Diane Ladd. Yeah, Marietta. You know, he still kind of is like seems on the fence about this stuff the whole time. <laughs> like he's well, he, he's kind of yeah. Unfortunately for him, he's kind of kept in the dark as to what's really going on. Right. He's like, yeah, I'm trailing him. <laughs> So we get some Lynchian slow-motion dread shots of old-fashioned Bourbon Street balconies with outdoor ceiling fans, which sounds, if you're not picturing what I just said, it sounds insane, but if you saw it, it's just kind of a slow-motion upward shot of outdoor balcony porches that only exist in New Orleans, (laughs) you know what I mean? Very of the South, very interview with a vampire (laughs) architecture. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to believe that this was pre-Hurricane Katrina. The way that Lynch imagines and populates New Orleans is like a surreal nightmare. Every character that we meet is kind of crazier and more outlandish than the next. I mean, not that I want to dwell on every single weirdo that pops up in this movie, but there's like a guy that talks kind of like a duck oh, at one right. point. Yeah. And there's no reason he has no role in the movie. He's just a guy that Sailor and Lula talk to for like a few minutes. Yeah. There's no point to it other than just to be weird. <laughs> and as we've pointed out, a lot of familiar faces from Twin Peaks. I mean, so many. Yes. Too numerous to mention, really. By the end of the movie, I mean, in New Orleans, there's a concentrated amount of them. But by the end of the movie, there's yeah so many. While they're in a hotel in New Orleans, we kind of get this weird story from lula that i'm not really sure has anything to do with the rest of the movie i mean these two never run out of stuff to talk about they just fucking tell stories right and they're very like uh self-reflective this story as with the uncle pooch rapey story this one also comes with some flashbacks and some visual stuff for us to look at and this is a whole weird thing that i'm assuming that didn't come from the source novel and this was just something Lynch made up yeah it's about lula's cousin that they call jingle dell and now jingle dell is played by this is a nuts crispin crispin glover yeah (laughs) i mean we're talking five years after back to the future (laughs) (laughs) this is such a strange sequence and the way it looks is it's very i mean it seems comical when he's just kind of like wandering around as this dude dressed up you know. And she's talking about uh, him putting like cockroaches on his anus. Oh, right, yeah. So basically, her cousin Dell, they called Jingle Dell because he wanted Christmas to last year round and always he, like, wore... He dresses up like Santa and stuff like in the heat of summer. Yeah, even in the middle of summer, he's wearing like this dirty, horrible Santa costume. Dell said that trust in the spirit of Christmas was destroyed by ideas being controlled by aliens wearing black gloves and... Obviously, this is some sort of allegory. I don't know what exactly we're supposed to take from this, <laughs> but it kind of ends with Lula saying, Aunt Rudy told him that the alien wearing the gloves was him and him alone. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. What does this have to do with the rest of the movie? I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, if you're Sailor, what are you thinking during this story? <laughs> I don't know. He's probably thinking about putting his cockroach on Lula's anus. <laughs> 
My cousin Dale was always fighting bad ideas. See, Dale loved Christmas. We used to call him Jingle Dale. He wanted Christmas to last all year long. He sure would scream out when his mama told him it was summertime and Christmas was six months off. And also, he would say that he felt those men with black rubber gloves was following him around. Dale said that trust and the spirit of Christmas was destroyed by ideas being controlled by aliens wearing black gloves. These aliens would get Dale to do all kinds of things. Then he'd carry on about the weather. Talk about how rainfalls controlled by aliens living on Earth. Aunt Rudy told Dale that one day he would realize that the alien wearing the black gloves was him and him alone. Well, it sounds like old Dale's more than just a little bit confused, Peanut. Well, Dale was learning a hard lesson. He got so he'd stay up all night making sandwiches. Dale. What are you doing? I'm making my lunch! Mama told me Aunt Rudy, this Dale's mama, found cockroaches in Dale's underwear. One time, she found Dale putting one big cockroach right on his anus. Hell, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't so funny now, though. Dale disappeared. The next kind of sequence is a lot of fun. And it's a lot of just unbelievable... You almost want to use the expression scenery chewing but it's not because it's it, it's a little bit more restrained but it's it's almost like the physical visual presentation of that kind of idea of Marietta's like mental breakdown because it seems like she's having a second color involved <laughs> yeah it seems like she's having second thoughts now mostly because of the danger she realizes that she put Johnny in right she doesn't care about sailor but She's like, She's like per- maybe perhaps I, should- I overreacted here. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have gotten Marcelo Santos involved because she kind of, I think, is realizing that Johnny's, you know, days are numbered. Well, I will say, like this whole kind of part, not necessarily like involving her, but kind of like the collision of all these characters at this hotel or whatever. It, it kind of makes me think of No Country for Old Men. <laughs> you know, these multiple people kind of trying to close in on the same target. It's as if Marietta is the unknown character in fucking uh, No Country for Old Men. Like, whoever this is hiring all these people to chase after the drugs and the money. Yeah. But before she shows up, I mean, she smears lipstick all over her face. Right. At one point. In just a very... In case you haven't realized at this point, she's completely unhinged. Yeah. She starts by kind of taking the lipstick, and she's on the phone with Johnny. She's, like, putting the lipstick on her wrists. Yeah. And then the next time we see her... Her entire face is covered in lipstick. It's, it's kind of a shocking visual, and then she vomits. Like we can all relate, though I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Steve Buscemi putting the lipstick on in Billy Madison. Oh yeah. (laughs) 
ultimately, Diane Ladd was nominated for Best Supporting Actress at the Golden Globes and the Oscars for this. So people really well deserved jumped on board for this performance. Eventually, she does show up in New Orleans to meet up with poor Johnny. By this point, Lula and Sailor have split and are now in the middle of Texas, running out of money. This is the weird thing: is like she seems like she's kind of like reeled it back in and kind of normalized herself a little bit. Meets up with Johnny and is like, "All right, yeah, we're gonna get out of here or whatever." I think that's their plan when she meets back up. Yeah, when when she meets up with Johnny, I made a note here of like a really restrained kind of performance from Harry Dean Stanton. I think it's that scene where they kind of are out to dinner in New Orleans and he's got like tears in his eyes oh, right. over this yeah. whole thing. It's a really kind of sad peripheral character in this movie. He's like half-heartedly in, the, in on this mission, but just kind of doing it to make her happy. Well, yeah, but it's like he doesn't really even know what's going on and he's just like he wants to make her happy, but he, you know. Although he does appreciate like the danger that you know, the fact that, like, Santos could be in the mix. Yeah. Like, he's certainly, like, aware of that. So he's like, you didn't tell Santos about this, did you? <laughs> Driving down the road, it's confession time for Sailor. They're on a dark and lonely highway. This is where we kind of get the Chris Isaac song. And he tells Lula that he knew her dad, Clyde. Yeah, this is, like, a big reveal here. Which is totally unknown to Lula at this point. She had no idea. What? He also did some driving for a man named Marcelo Santos, and so obviously the viewers are like, oh, here we go. Oh, boy. So he's connected to this guy. And right before he quit, he ended up at a house, and later he would learn that this house was Lula's house. Obviously, he didn't know that at the time. Sailor doesn't know what they all think he saw that night, but he was just sitting in the car until the whole place went up in flames, and obviously this is the night that Lula's dad died. So... Are we supposed to take from this that one of the major driving forces is that uh, Marietta thinks that Sailor knows that That's she what I had think. her I, husband killed? Right. Like, I just think that she must know that he worked for Santos and he was, like, in the mix that night. And it's probably, like, a risk to have him dating her, her daughter. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, eventually, obviously, we as viewers see what really happened, which was that Marcelo Santos comes in and kills Lula's father, presumably at the behest of Marietta, who seems to know about it. And she's like cackling <laughs> as the house is like on fire. Yeah, my future. <laughs> <laughs> but according to Sailor, he didn't really see this or, or know exactly what happened, but. It's kind of unclear to me how Marietta even knew of his existence and how that's really connected to anything, but I guess it is. Cutting back to New Orleans, Johnny gets abducted by Santos's goons in the hotel. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that's kind of it for Johnny. Yeah, we that's right. kind of it. We'll cut back to that in a minute, but it's not great. Uh, <laughs> it's not a happy ending for Johnny. Back in Texas now, we have Sailor and Lula, and they come across a wreck on the side of the highway. This is probably my favorite part of the movie, and, and obviously a big reason why is it features Sherilyn Fenn. That's right. Prime yeah. time Sherilyn Fenn. Yes, knocking him dead. <laughs> Looks unbelievable, even in a scene where she was just in a horrible car accident. I will say, giant fandom of Sherilyn Fenn aside, this is the most standout scene in the movie, though. Right, because everything changes after this scene. I don't know, honey, but we gotta help that girl. Get her to a town. I hope no one catches on. I broke parole. I got, I got it, Bobby. 
There's a bobby pin. I can't find it. My mother's gonna kill me. It's got it's got all my cards in it, and, and it was in my pocket. No, my pocket's gone. Gotta help me find it. My mother's gonna kill me. It's got all my cards in it, and 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 it, and it was in my pocket. It was it was in my pocket. My purse is gone. My purse is gone. Now she tells me. Now she fucking tells me. Let's get a hold of her quick. You think she's gonna make it? Don't know, but she's gonna bleed all over our car. I'll tell you that. Hey. Hello? Girl! You gotta come with us, honey. Leave me alone! Robert! Robert! Shit. Got this damn sticky stuff in my hair. stuff in my hair. You better come with us, honey. Come on. I gotta find my wallet. Don't say one word of this to my mother, please. Please. God, she's gonna kill me. You can't worry about that. You got... Oh, oh God. Where's my hair, bro? God, she's dying right in front of a sailor. Get out of here, honey. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Oh, God. It totally catches you off guard because you have Sailor's Confession, which... Lula deals with this confession, but you can see the disappointment on her face. Right. She's been betrayed by someone she was comparing to her own father. She, it's almost like she's disappointed in her own father finding this out. It's like, if he was capable of keeping this a secret from me for this long, then what else don't I know? That right. kind of thing. And he's trying to like cover his tracks and to a this little bit. He's like, you know, everything else <laughs> that I've told you was the truth. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> floundering a little bit. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to this point, they've kind of had this idyllic relationship. Everything's been fine. She's like, do you think my mom is hot? And he's like, no. <laughs> well, why are you asking me that? No, but I mean, everything's been cool up until this point. Everything's been perfect. Everything's been like this new romance, the greatness of this new romance before any problems have set in. And this is the first time they've been confronted with any big issue because going back in time we never got to see the beginning of their relationship we kind of entered at that pivotal moment with bob ray lemon but i think it's safe to assume that it was pretty new at that point and that i'd say yeah it was pretty new in all fairness to sailor it's like well when was he gonna say this i mean if you say this right at the beginning then i mean i will say she's awful loyal this pretty new relationship and he goes to jail for how long Two years, basically. Man. Yeah, well. She's really in it with him. Well, when it's love, it's love. That's in the true. movies, at least. You're right. Right on the heels of this, they come across this wreck, and it's a bad two-car accident. 
everyone's dead. There's only one girl left alive, and it's uh, Sherilyn Fenn. She's wandering around in the dark. It's haunting. She's covered in blood, She's staggering like around in shock. Still remarkably beautiful. <laughs> Should be pointed out. <laughs> always, as always. A tragic reminder of the fragility of life because she's supposed to be so young and something terrible has happened. And it Sailor and Lula get out of the car and they want to help her and it's not dawning on them how, how, how dire the situation she, that is. That she's yeah. seconds away from death, really. Right. That she's only able to walk around because she's kind of got the adrenaline and the shock going. But it's like everything's going to set in in a second. And apparently this scene came from David Lynch's impression of Fenn as a porcelain doll. And from the idea of seeing a porcelain doll breaking, he kept telling her about it. And that's how the scene was born. And he would use the same inspiration for the car accident scene in Mulholland Drive. It kind of became like this recurring idea, I guess. And eventually the girl, we don't know her name, Sherilyn Fenn, she lays down and dies with like blood coming yeah, out of her blood. mouth. Yeah. And they're not really able to help her. And Lula kind of sees this incident as a bad well, omen. Well, she's like, a, 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 she's kind of in shock as it's happening a little bit too. I mean, I think they both are like taken aback by it, and they like don't know what to do. She's kind of almost commentating on it. We're watching this girl die, <laughs> like she says out loud, kind of as it's happening. Yeah. And then, like you know, right after we just watched that girl die, <laughs> <laughs> isn't that fucking crazy? Yeah. She's right that this is a bad omen because it does turn out to be a turning point in the film. After this, Lula and Sailor kind of start to hit the skids and make bad decisions and start fraying at the seams. No and bad decisions made prior to this that serve their... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, area. not really. Not not in the sense that anything that was negatively affecting them in the moment. Yeah. They were getting... A, the, the decisions they were making, they were surviving. They were getting... They were the right decisions in that they, everything kept working and they were going from one step to the next yep. to the next. And all of a sudden now things kind of turn dark. And as I said, it's right on the heels of this confession from Sailor. So it's kind of like now this is the strife, the first strife that they're facing as a couple or whatever. Meanwhile, back in New Orleans, Marcelo Santos makes his presence known to Marietta. He lies to her about Johnny. Well, he doesn't lie. She asks him if he is going to or if he hurt Johnny. And he was like, no, I didn't touch him or whatever. I right, right, right. I mean, I guess she kind of accepts this and buys Yeah, this. I mean, I think she knows the At this deal point, here. though, she can I mean, for the rest of the movie, she kind of just moves on <laughs> from Johnny. Because yeah. she convinces herself that Johnny ran away. Right. I, I mean, guess. again, this just goes back to the, you know, mental disorder. I, th- I think she just kind of like yeah. shuts it off here. And so we do see briefly Santos's minions torture and kill Johnny in a I mean, truly think, disturbing scene. Right. I do think she has a lot of guilt over the fact that she basically got Johnny killed. She, you know, has this discussion and like rationalizes it with herself by being like, oh, yeah, he left me here. He ran away. Yeah. yeah Typical yeah. Johnny. You know? Right. And this is Grace Zabriskie and a couple of other dudes. And they're like making out. Yeah. And they're it's very, very uh, like, ritualistic in the way they kill people. Yeah, they seem almost like cannibals or something. I mean, it's very weird. And I guess this scene was heavily edited from the original version due to just really negative reactions from test audiences about this part. (laughs) I guess it was like even more disturbing than what we see in the final product. 
And, you know, Shout Factory is doing a new Blu-ray for this that was supposed to come out back in, like, May. And no, now I was going to say, I thought that was supposed to be out by now. It got pushed back to August, and I think there's going to be a lot of deleted scenes on there. All so right. I'm, pr- I'm sure we'll get to finally Wild see Wild at heart, the missing pieces. Yeah, pretty much. In addition to there being seemingly no air conditioning <laughs> and no comfort, a lot of bad eyebrows in this movie. Oh, I would agree, yeah. We're just really wild, yeah, I mean, it, unplucked eyebrows. You don't really know, but I, yeah, I mean, it just kind of feels like bad hygiene overall. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to talk a little bit more about the Wizard of Oz stuff? I mean, it's there throughout. It's not very subtle. Yeah, I mean, we see Diane Ladd as the Wicked Witch. Right, that's the thing. It's driving not, it's along not like at one little point. nods. It's like full on. We see the crystal ball thing. Right. We see... I, I mean, the later, good witch is in it at some point. Glinda. Yeah, yeah that's at the end, right. the good witch. And then there's a part where Lula's like got red shoes on and she's like tapping oh, yeah, she's the heels the together. Thing, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of different things like that. So basically, uh, Sailor and Lula are running out of money. So they p- pull up to this town called Big Tuna, Texas. And it just so happens that they come to this house that we, as the viewers, recognize. It was the exterior shot that we saw when Mr. Reindeer was making the second call about those silver dollars. So obviously we know this place. There's some ominous music here. And we're like, oh yeah, what's going on? This is the house of a lady named Perdita Durango, played by (laughs) Isabella (laughs) Rossellini. Yeah. Who we recognize from Blue Blue Velvet. Velvet. She's something of an old friend to Sailor. You get the impression maybe an old lover. Maybe former colleagues as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he used to work Were they both for Marcelo Santos right. yeah. and obviously we find out that she's still working. Yes. For uh, Marcelo yeah, Santos. Yeah, I do think it seemed like they had to have like an intimate relationship because it's like this idea that they had a deal together that's I don't know. If I guess if the idea is if you're ever on the outs with these people, basically give each other a heads up that there's a contract out for you or something. Yeah, and even though we know she's aware of the hit out on Sailor, she claims to know nothing. Right, so obviously can't be trusted. But again, similarly to them just happening to go to New Orleans where Grace Zabriskie and her crew was, it's like, why did they come to Big Tuna? Was it just to see Perdita? I mean, the implication well, the is that they ran out of money, and it's like that right. much of a this. She lives but in this tiny house think, in a nowhere town in Texas. I know this is well, where I, they ended up. I think maybe you're supposed to take out of it that he was quietly trying to get there without that being like public information to to Big Tuna. I think, or to both. Well, I'm more sort of Big Tuna to get to. I think he wanted to get to this girl to try and find out about the situation. Yeah, I, I mean that's. That's really, I guess, the only conclusion that you can try to make to <laughs> yeah. justify this. Otherwise, it's just like if you try to just wrap your head around like them randomly showing up there, it's just like this movie stinks. But it, yeah, because in my mind, I'm like, well, what if they didn't run out of money? Couldn't they have just gone all the way to California and avoided this? She didn't seem like she was headed anywhere. No, right. <laughs> she seemed content to wait for him to show up. Yeah, I know. Anyway. Big Tuna, like New Orleans, is filled with its own cast of fucked up weirdos and Lynchian oddi- <laughs> yeah. oddities. It's like, Jesus, I don't want to go to the South. Jack Nance is playing this weird guy who tells a story about his dog or something. I, I don't even want to get into it. Uh, yeah. The Actually, main guy we made a point to say we were not going to. There's a big, fat, a couple of big, fat, 
topless women or maybe even completely nude women walking around. Yeah. Because I guess Sailor and Lula check into a motel that kind of has a courtyard area where all the weirdos are hanging out. And it's yeah. just a lot of drinking. It's kind of similar to that courtyard from that hotel we stayed at in New Jersey. Yeah, similar weirdos, right. too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one person, I guess, that you know we need to take note of here is Bobby Peru, played by Willem Dafoe. Uh, and and Bobby is really kind of the heir apparent to Frank Booth from Blue Velvet. Yeah, I mean, he, he is, is just a just a wild, deranged <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> Except his teeth are way worse. True. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Peru, just like the country. Bobby just rolled into town a couple of days ago. Yeah, Bobby here is the most exciting item to hit big tuna since the '86 Cyclone sheared the roof off the high school. You from uh, Texas, Mr. Burrow? Oh, uh, I'm from all over. With or without Bobby, there's just a horrible rapey vibe at this motel anyway. Right. You almost immediately, because you see the scene, it's Sailor and Lula come out at these little tables in this courtyard area or whatever, and there's a lot of dudes around, and more and more dudes seem to be showing up, yeah. and... <laughs> The word is spreading about not, this beauty being in the area. I'm not trying to slut shame or no, no, please. or anything, but you know, Lula's wearing kind of a wild leather. I don't know what you call that. Well, it's going to attract a crowd. She's showing a lot of skin. Yeah, and it's there like this is a, the wrong. I mean, not that sh- she can't wear what she wants, but I'm just saying this is a bad element probably around. It's just. It's got a very bad vibe. And then, of course, Bobby Peru shows up and it seemingly gets even worse. I will say there's a f- another flashback that Lula has, and it's it's back to her rape experience with okay. Uncle Pooch. Yep. But then it goes to another thing, and it's a very weird shot through some sort of a magnifying glass okay, type yeah, thing yeah. in a medical situation. Are we supposed to take that she got an abortion from this? I don't know. Rape There's situation? a lot being implied throughout this movie, so it's very hard to kind of That's the that's the impression I got from it. Okay, yeah, I can abortion. buy that. Right. What else would that have been? It has to be that. But eventually she tells Sailor that she's pregnant. I mean, she pukes on the floor and then nobody cleans it up and it just sits there. That's yeah. weird and horrible. That actually makes you wonder what's going on with our main characters. Well, yeah. It doesn't seem good. Because you're kind of, even though obviously they're crazy and wild, you don't like to think of them as that gross. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no, I know, yeah. And if she's pregnant and can't get out of bed, it's like, Sailor, come on, man. Yeah. Clean it up, then. Please. Somebody. There's bugs Be in it. Be a gentleman. <laughs> Unfortunately, this is coming off of the heels of sh- the Showgirls episode with having to talk about a horrible rape scene. Yeah, I and was going to say, I've been, I've been dreading getting to this scene. <laughs> Why? Because you we didn't want to see how hard I was going to get? I just, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I thought you were going to have a lot to say about this <laughs> I, the, and what's being said here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I don't even know what the fuck Sailor's off doing, but Lula's kind of left alone in Which, how could room. you? If you're Sailor, I mean, you would think there would be padded locks on this door if he had to leave. Well, I don't know. I mean, I guess... I mean, I guess she does let Bobby Peru yeah, he, in. Yeah, I think he knocks. Yeah, he does. So we have a violating scene between Lula and Bobby Peru. That's a good way of putting it. Basically, he humiliates and traumatizes her. He basically comes in and says he has to take a piss, which he does. And then 
it turns into this whole thing There's where certainly like some groping. Yeah, and he's grabbing her and putting his face like right up against hers, and he's got those fucked up, nice horrifying nubs of right. teeth, and he's demanding that she say "fuck me," which she eventually does. Yeah, or else he won't leave. Right, like, he's basically like you have to. I mean, she and she's like obviously terrified. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, it, like, it turns into this whole like weird fucked up thing where she's kind of vulnerable and confused, and you know you don't know what she's thinking or feeling, but. It's just like a horrible, unsettling moment. And she's obviously, like I said, humiliated and traumatized. But before she can even really tell Sailor about it, Bobby goes and sees Sailor, ropes him into a plan to rob a feed store, of all places. Yeah, I mean, some criminal act. And this unknown event to Sailor kind of just kind of builds these tensions between him and Lula because obviously he doesn't know what's wrong. And she's had this horrible thing happen to her, and she doesn't want to say it. And now I think Sailor tells her that he's doing something with him. And, it, you know, it's just this whole horrible, complicated mess. But then we see Bobby Peru visit Perdita, and then this confirms for us that he's in on killing Sailor. Yeah. Somehow, out of the entire United States, they've ended up in this tiny nowhere town where the heat from Santos and Mr. Reindeer right. is at its hottest. That <laughs> wide network of assassins. <laughs> and that's really it. That's the movie. No, I mean, there's more <laughs> to the movie, but that's really the whole situation. We don't really get any further anything resolved from the scene between Lula and Bobby Peru. I mean, do you have anything to say about it? Uh, No. <laughs> All right. Dynamite. I mean, what else Contribution is as usual. You literally just said, that's really it. <laughs> I meant... That's it in terms of their interaction. Like, it ha- it happens, and now I'm circling back to Do you to want it. me to say something about the scene? How did you feel about it? Very uncomfortable. <laughs> I-, I don't know. I mean, it's very... Uh, I feel like this is another t- scene that would be tough today. I feel like it was probably tough at the time, but, like, I just feel like if this scene was in a movie now <laughs> that came out, I mean... I think, yeah, I mean, obviously David Lynch has always been, I guess, drawn to these kind of dark things. I mean... Disturbing. All of his projects have kind of various degrees of disturbing moments. And this one, obviously, in kind of a continuation of what we were saying about Showgirls, I mean, in in today's climate, this scene feels even more crazy the weird thing is about like when i think about this being in a movie today and how it wouldn't fly but that's the thing the scene is played as disturbing so it's like why wouldn't that be okay to be in a movie now i don't know matt you're the one that decreed that it couldn't be in something today so i don't i I just feel like people would be flipping (laughs) out about it no you're right they would because even bad guys aren't really allowed to be bad guys in movies anymore Of course, the actual robbery that they've been planning, that they put throw together, is a disaster. Perdita ends up being the driver, which <laughs> Sailor didn't know about and really should have been more suspicious about. Yeah. But at that point, I guess he doesn't know what to do. He needs this money. Bobby shoots the clerks at the feed store for no reason and reveals he's going to kill Sailor. Yeah, just a kind of like almost the, the James Bond criminal act. Where it's just like, I'm going to reveal to you (laughs) my plan. Yeah, and Sailor, it turns out, of course, has got dummy ammunition and can't really shoot. 
a cop has shown up outside unexpectedly and causes Perdita to freak out and drive away. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't really have a steady hand in all this. <laughs> She's like, fuck these yeah. dudes, I'm out of here. Sailor runs outside to get away from Bobby. The cop shoots at Bobby. This is where Bobby really reveals himself to be just a horrible criminal. I think, I mean, it's it, for weird, horrible, dramatic, violent effect, Bobby drops to his knees and ends up blowing his own head off with a shotgun. <laughs> yeah. But I think he was going to be dead anyway. I mean, I think the cop shoots him like four or five okay, times. Okay, right, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of a big, crazy insane, moment though. with yeah. uh, his head just being blown off yeah. into the air. And so Sailor just kind of surrenders, and he's on the ground. And he ends up being sentenced to six years in jail. I will say some very light sentences for Sailor throughout the movie. I guess they bought his whole story that Bobby killed the other people. They traced it to his gun and he didn't know. But I mean, I think in especially in a place like Texas, I mean, he's, oh, that's true, you're probably yeah. getting sentenced to death for this. I, w- I would say, yeah. <laughs> you're I getting, mean, he was breaking parole while being here, too. If you commit... If a murder is committed in the commission of a crime, I mean, you could be charged with murder, even if you're not the one that does yeah. it. I mean, he's going to get charged with murder, and he's probably get. Although, the feed store guys don't actually die. Oh, that's true. That yeah. scene is horrifying, <laughs> and I'm not really sure why it's even included in the movie. Yeah. It's almost like a joke. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even. I can't even explain it. There's, yeah, there's two guys the that get shot in the feed store are still alive, and there's a lot of blood everywhere. And it's almost done as like a comedic scene. Well, it feels like it, yeah. <laughs> the dog is running away with a severed hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this movie's fucked up, people. Basically, Marietta wins, but only temporarily. When I guess I, what her whole goal is just to get Sailor away from Lula or whatever. Because it seems like in the six years that he spends in jail, Lula just moves back to Cape Fear, has, has the, the kid. baby, and lives, I guess, reasonably close to Marietta. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but it's unclear. Now, Lula, why doesn't she ever like, Mom, fuck off? I mean, what do you do? You're chasing Sailor and I, I around know. the country? I don't know. Well, her mom seems like she's rich, so yeah, <laughs> she's, she's taking that money. That's true. <laughs> so we cut to six years later. She's like Jennifer Jason Lee in Good Time. <laughs> this, yeah, this is the moment that you're talking about. I mean, Lula does finally just va- vanquish her mother once and for all by throwing water at her picture oh, and yeah. hanging up That's the phone right. on yeah. her. But based on what we hear earlier in the movie, I think Lula t- says that she's 20 or somebody calls her 20 earlier in the movie. So if this is six years later, she's now 26 at this point. Right. She's becoming a lady. <laughs> she's becoming a lady. <laughs> she's, she's got 26 a kid. and is a, ch- she's got and a like six-year-old a t- child. A six-year-old kid. Yeah, it's just like, Mama, what are we doing here? You know right. what I mean? Like, I know. Marietta really needs to just kind of move on at this point. <laughs> yeah. It seems like if Sailor was going to tell her about what happened that night with her dad, that it would have already happened. You know what I mean? It's What are we worried about? Right, I know. I don't Things know. have only it's gotten crazy. like worse since then. I mean, I, th- I feel like... They're both very familiar with death at this point. And Mama has turned into a real sloppy drunk in those six years to go along with her deteriorating mind. Lula goes with her son to meet up with Sailor when he's released. And one thing that I did question here was no visits in those six years. Yeah, that's tough. How do you wrap your head around that? That's really what they are acting like. Yeah. Because he's never met his son before. Yeah, I don't know how you justify it if you're Lula. Lula's got another life when Sailor's in jail. She's yeah, living that's that true. dual right. 
thing. She's probably got another man. You know, it's a whole thing. Sailor decides that he should leave Lula and their son, feeling that he isn't good enough for them. It's kind of that Brooks was here oh, moment true. in yes. Shawshank where he he hasn't. I think it's just he hasn't really adjusted to this idea of being free. Plus, I've like got I a said, kid. no visits. Yeah, I mean, who are like, these people? Exactly, I know. Up? Six years is a long ass time. Yeah. <laughs> so he walks away. And this scene is ridiculous for a lot of reasons. At um, this point in the movie, you're like, holy shit, this movie feels long. <laughs> yeah. A lot happens in this movie. This is a two-hour-plus movie. It's kind of crazy. So I guess because he's feeling so down, he decides that he's going to pick this fight with a street gang that just kind of emerges right. from all that, around him. I mean, him. this is like apparently his move, being fresh out of jail and getting into a fight immediately. Yeah, so I will say that I don't, like that Lynch does this here because this doesn't really feel real at all. I just don't like this thing of you have a guy walking down the middle of a street in broad daylight and then basically from behind the sides and front this gang people surrounding like converges yeah. on him and he says what do you faggots want? <laughs> <laughs> and they beat the shit out of him and he falls onto the ground knocked out for a second and that's when Cheryl Lee as the good witch. That's right. Appears and tells Sailor not to run from love, basically. Sailor. Sailor. The good witch. Sailor Ripley. Luna loves you. But I'm a robber. I'm a manslaughterer, and I haven't had any parental guidance. She's forgiven you all these things. You love her. Don't be afraid, sailor. But I'm wild at heart. If you're truly wild at heart, you'll fight for your dreams. Towards love. Yeah, he runs. He he gets up. He apologizes to the gang members <laughs> <laughs> and runs. And he runs atop cars stopped in traffic back to Lula. And the movie ends with Sailor singing Love Me Tender, a song that he was only going to sing to his wife. That's right. Implying that after all this bullshit, they're going to get married. And that's the credits roll over him singing. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a crazy ending. <laughs> Which fits the crazy movie. <laughs> yeah, for me... Not one of my favorite Lynch movies, although, but not one of my least favorite either. I mean, it's more a middle of the pack. It's just such a weird movie. And I think I like it. It's just so bizarre. Like in in the midst of like Twin Peaks going on, you have this movie. I don't know. It's just, I enjoy it. I mean, again, this was only my second time seeing it, but it's fun. It's weird. It's crazy. But yeah. And you know, once you're done, you're going to need some time. Before you're ready to watch it again. 
Yeah, it's a wild ride. It's a hybrid of a David Lynch and Quentin Tarantino movie, if you will. And this was obviously a couple years really before people even knew who Quentin Tarantino was. So it kind of shows that Lynch, you know, had this kind of streak in him already, but without being influenced by the violent directors of the 90s that would kind of come along. I mean, Lynch was really a trailblazer in a lot of ways for independent cinema deal with years of frustration about trying to get funding for movies he definitely chose the road less traveled it's a really cool moment in time people didn't really know how to react to it it won best picture at the oh, Cannes wow. film festival yeah, all right but then was but was also booed well yeah i feel like that is basically just David Lynch's career. And a lot of critics hated it and wanted him to fail. And then the movie was released in America, and it did okay business. All right, there you go. Not great, but not terrible. And pretty much like anything else Lynch was involved with, kind of grew in stature later, and you know, I think eventually was kind of chosen to be one of the best pictures of the 90s and all that stuff in various people's lists or whatever. You know, it, it kind of took a while to gain an audience, and I'm not really sure how people regard it yeah, as I don't far know. as his whole. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people films. like look at this episode when they saw it pop into their feed, and they were like, "I don't, I don't even know what this is." Yeah, it's definitely an under the radar. That's right. Yeah. What do you think is his most known thing? I don't know. I mean, Mulholland Drive. Or just Mulholland? Twin Peaks in general, just the idea of Twin Peaks. I don't know. I mean, I feel like. When you just are listing his titles, what would people, what would the most amount of people recognize? That's a hard one. At a certain point in time, it probably would have been the Elephant Man. That's but, what I but would that's have thought. Not yeah, but now we're so far away from it. Yeah, but but you don't necessarily. I don't think people necessarily think of that as a Lynch thing, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. He eventually created his own persona that was like separate from anything that was more that was more of like an Oscar type movie. Uh, yeah, of like a moment in time based Maybe off like of a real person. Dune. <laughs> Dune. <laughs> well, that's the most forgettable part right. of his career. So, yeah, that's Wild at Heart. It's worth checking out just to see Laura Derm's boobs, I guess. Sure, yeah. <laughs> no, it's fun. I think if I was going to be hypercritical, I, I would say you could probably trim like 20 minutes out of it. But... There's a lot going on. There's yeah. a lot of cool stuff in it, though. The part with Diane Ladd's face covered in lipstick is just insane. Oh, I know. I love it. She and is great in the movie. I mean, her, her character, quite hateable, but very good. Yeah, and the, the Sherilyn event scene is off the charts. So check it out. I think that'll do it for this one. Uh, follow the show on Twitter, at GrossPod, and uh, subscribe on iTunes.
You're such a good mom. Oh, thanks. I uh, bet you'd make me finish all my homework before I could go outside and play. Yeah, especially if you were being naughty. <laughs> Do I need to be punished? Well, I guess that depends on your homework. you'd make me brush my teeth so I don't get any cavities. Oh, we're still doing this, okay? <laughs> I've been a bad boy, Mommy. Okay, um, do you have some kind of weird fetish? What? No. No, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to give you that impression. I just got carried away. Oh. I, I just really like you. Yep, I really like you, too. Okay, fuck this. I gotta go. Huh? This is my nightmare. What? So, yes, I'm in hell. No, uh, so, uh, let me go. Mommy, I, I mean, Allison, don't leave. Save that shit for the fourth date, like a normal person. 